We are, I just want you to remind you that we are um, still on-ramping people for tribes, small groups. I want to encourage you to get in a tribe. Yes, get in a tribe, love them hard. We started, I know we had, uh, four, we had 13 men in our Tuesday morning 6 a.m. tribe. Man, that is life-changing. We've got one more coming, two more coming, and then they have five, I think, at the 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. Tuesday. Still open, seven. They are still open to on-ramp. There's a lot. Uh, my wife is leading a how-to. They, they rolled sushi and talked about Jesus. Y'all didn't know Jesus was in the sushi, but he is. You know, he, he, he cooked, y'all forget that he cooked, he had a men's breakfast on the side of the bank and he cooked fish. Well, they were rolling fish the other night. So this week, they're going to learn how to handle a gun and load it. And then they're going to learn, their, another week, they're going to go shoot. Watch out. Watch out, perpetrators. Yes, we, we have a lot going on. There was a great, uh, it's, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there group on a Wednesday night as well. Um, Tuesday, Tuesday night, we had a freedom group right here on a Wednesday night, which was great, yes, and our student tribe. And so if you have a student, you have students in your house, send them here on Wednesday nights from 6 to about 7.30, 7.45, we'll get them out so they can get to school the next day. But uh, we had a great group of students as well. So there's, there's a lot more tribes. You can go to livewithpurpose.church, go to our events, and there's a lot of tribes open. So uh, really proud of all the tribe leaders that stepped up this semester. We've had the most this semester than we've, we've ever had, so that's huge. Uh, I'm really excited about that because it gives you an opportunity to get around a group of people and begin to really get real, take the mask off so that you can grow spiritually on a journey that hopefully leads towards Christ. I know if you're in the, you're, you're on it, you're already in a small group of people. And I just wanted to, I want to remind you that the, the people, the five closest people to you, they're, they're your destiny. Like, that's the track that you're on. So you're going to look like them in the near future. And so if, if that's not the, if that five people is a little bit scary and sketchy, you might want to start pulling away and, and start going ahead and get on your phone. I, don't, I won't get offended if you get on your phone right now and register for a tribe. And so I definitely want to encourage you to do that. If you're here for the first time or have never filled out one of these little connect cards that are in the seat back in front of you, the pocket, there's a pen there as well. If you will, fill that out. If you have any prayer needs or anything like that, you can put it in the black box on the way, on your way out there. And so also we started with these notes, the importance of these are, you know, God's going to speak to you. He, he is speaking. He wants to speak to you. And it's just so handy to write those things down immediately, put it in your pocket, because here's what happens. Uh, anybody ever needed to go tell your wife or your, your spouse something or someone at work, and you go through a door, and you forgot what you were going to do or say whenever you go through that door? It's like this threshold thing where it's like, and then you go back in that room, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is what I was going to say. And then you go back, well... By the time you leave and you go to Whataburger and get lunch and then you go to your room and you start taking a nap and then you try to remember what, what was, what, what did we talk about in church today? It's Tuesday and you don't even know what happened on Sunday. That's, that's real talk. Y'all don't, 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 don't look at me like, Pastor, we remember every word that you say. I know that's a lie. That's true. 
And so, so today, I'm going to give a bunch of words out. They're going to be very spiritual and very meaningful, and I'm just hoping that they saturate in your soul, and it actually causes a life change on the outside. So can we just pray that for me? All right. So, uh, so anyway, uh, we're in our series, Comes On, Comes On, and the idea of this is our communication lines are on. Like, we can hear and, and we want to hear. We want to hear what's going on. And, 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 and why I tell my children, hey, are your listening ears on? They turn their listening ears on because I want them to hear the next thing I'm going to say. It's very important for their lives. And so we've talked about the four soils and, and how to have a heart that, hear, that hears. And the four soils we went through, the polluted heart, which was, had unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment in it. We talked about the distracted heart. I'm doing a bunch of things and I'm just trying to get things done and I'm probably trying to take care of my own life. I'm probably scroll, scrolling through, through too many social media posts. I'm, I got too many jobs. I've got too many tasks and I'm just too distracted to hear from the Lord. But I, I'm good. Like, I've got my life in my own hands. I'm, I'm in control. Well, yeah, that's, that's about, that's the, that's the enemy of, of God is that your good life, the things that you think are good. And then we talked about the immature heart, that, that heart that gets really excited. And, boy, I just got a word from the Lord today, and Pastor Nathan just brought it, and the worship was amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm really going to make a change in my life, and I, I'm going to get all excited about what's, what God is doing right now. And then some little trial comes along, and boom. You know what? That word of God, it doesn't work anyway. I knew that wasn't going to work. I, I knew it wasn't going to last. And so he's like, get all excited. Whee! And then fizzle out. Well, that's the immature heart. And then we talked about prepared heart. And that's where we want to be, the prepared heart. We, we want to we just prepare, prepare our hearts to, to be in the presence of God, to listen and say, Lord, speak. I'm, I'm, I'm eager. I'm waiting. I'm ready for you. I know I, I, there is no other way. I've tried it all, and it all failed. I'm coming to you. And so, and so then we talked about how God speaks and why God speaks last week. And this week, I want to talk to you about valuing his voice, valuing his voice. And I'm, I'm going to use a verse. I'm going to come back around at the end. But this verse is in 1 Samuel 3, 1. Now, Samuel in this verse was a young boy. And Samuel's mother was barren, Hannah. And she said, Lord, she would come to the temple day, day, in, uh, day in and day out. And Eli was a priest. The priest Eli was uh, at the time. He had some. He had boys of his own who were completely dishonoring to the Lord, and so God blessed Hannah, and he, and he blessed her with a child named Samuel. And Samuel, God was would raise up. She did. She once he was weaned, she dedicated him and actually handed him over to Eli to be raised up in the temple for God. And God began to speak to Samuel because. Obviously, Eli was not listening, and his sons were certainly not listening. They were all dishonoring. Eli loved the Lord, but there was something lacking in his own life to where he wasn't being obedient to the Lord. And so Samuel, God began to speak to Samuel and says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare. And, and yes, while it was sparse, that's not necessarily what it means here. It actually means it was highly valued. And here's why. In those days, there was no widespread revelation. So God wasn't just speaking to everyone. He was speaking to individuals who would then give direction for his people, Israel. And then other, other nations would watch and see what God would do with Israel and, and inside of Israel. 
And so God was raising up someone who would listen and have value for his word. Well, it's different in our culture, in our time, in our season. God has poured out his spirit on all mankind, and he's continuing to pour out his spirit on all mankind. Those who will come to him desiring his spirit. And so that there is widespread revelation. But the point is that it be valued. And so it's, it's great that God wants to pour out his spirit. But what difference does it make if his people aren't making his voice valuable? Value in the sense of there's probably jewelry that you shine up and you keep it clean and nice and pretty so that everybody else can see, everybody that doesn't care about you, they can see. Your car, the rims on your car, we've got to keep that chrome clean. Nothing gets on that, on those, car, on those wheels. Whatever it is that you value, you tend to, you take care of, you keep it sharp and nice and, and looking good. But what if you were in a situation kind of like Black Hawk Down? Anybody seen that movie? And I'm telling you, uh, it's, it's chaos all around. The enemy is everywhere, and you're depending on, on some kind of information to get you out for extraction, for a safe victory, a passageway out of this scenario, this situation. What if you were in that place? Or what if you were in a world of chaos where it seems like everything is unsure, even the government changes its mind every few months, and, and culture's just shifting, and there's there's more division than there is unity. What if you were in a scenario, not that we are, but what if you were in a scenario like that? <gasps> Wouldn't it be important to be able to have a, a clear line of communications to someone who was able to see from a higher perspective to give you perspective so that you would have uh, directives on an extraction for a victory plan? But what if I could tell you that that can happen right now, and it might be that we are in a scenario just like that. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it encourage you to have value to this voice that would come through these communication lines? Well, I'm telling you right now, we're in, we're in, a, in a terrain and a space and a season that the Lord is desiring to speak to some people, his people, and he has a victory plan at hand, and he's just waiting for a people to realize, hey, there's revelation at hand, but are you going to find it valuable? Are you going to find it valuable? And so I'm going to give you some very practical points on how to discover that you are hearing God, how to discover how to hear God. And when you feel like you become a little bit distanted from God, you can draw back to this simple pattern so that you can begin to cultivate his voice in your life yet again. And I'm really hoping, believers, that you actually practice this regularly. And I'm just going to impart a little affirmation to you because as believers and growing in maturity, we do have a responsibility. And so we can't wait to just be fed. But point number one is this. We need to set an appointment. We need to set an appointment. Exodus 19 and 10 and 11, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, go, so, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So he's saying, Hey, the day's coming, set a time, because I'm going to show up. And when I show up, I want to speak. 
In Exodus 19, 19, just after that, and when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. He showed up. He set a time. They set a time. They met it. It was appointed, and he showed up, and he spoke to his people. Well, see, for us, a missed appointment becomes a disappointment. In some places you go to, such as a trainer, a dentist, a massage, you set a date, a time, and a place. You set an appointment, and you, you try to make it, and they're okay, if you don't make, they're okay with it if you don't make it, because they're going to charge you anyway. It's going to cost you, and if you don't show up for the appointment, an appointment with God, it's going to cost you. You set a, a date, a time, and a place to go to the doctor. You set a date and a time and a place to watch the Cowboys. You're not fooling anybody. You're like, I'm coming to the 9 a.m. service because the Cowboys play at 12. That's why we have a 9 a.m. service. <laughs> Pray for the Cowboys. And so many people want to hear God, but they're, done, they're not setting and keeping an appointment with God so that they can come in and begin to allow him to show up and hear from him. So God comes to a prepared place. Can you imagine what it would look like if there were no greeters at the door here? If there were no hospitality serving donuts that, that keep you fed and coffee that keep you engaged. If there were no children's ministry workers, volunteers, go team members that are there excitingly taking your kids and discipling them into the future. Can you imagine if there was no worship team that had prepared, by the way, with what they were going to sing and, and that they were in unison and, and really ushering in the presence of God? Can you imagine what it would be like? Now, now, God does say talk, talk about a, a joyful noise, but sometimes a beautiful noise from here is covering your joyful noise out there. And that blesses me and the people around you, let me just tell you. And so isn't it wonderful that there's a prepared place that you come to so that you're not like in chaos and disorder so that you can actually hear from the Lord? Now, there's some places that don't do that, and they say they want to be spirit-led, but let me tell you, you oftentimes just get a manifestation of them. It's chaos. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Susie didn't show up. Where are the donuts? Who's going to do the baptism today? I don't know. They're going to have to baptize themselves. We thought the Holy Spirit would drag somebody in, but he didn't. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> it's chaos. And, and when you don't set up an appointment, when God can come in and, his, and manifest his presence, what's going to happen is sometime in that day, you're going to manifest. <laughs> That's really better than your response. Because when you manifest, people get the ugly rather than the Jesus. Y'all are a tough crowd. Y'all know how long I work on these things so I can make y'all laugh? Humor me a little bit. <laughs> Number two is this. Number, number two is this. Be still and worship. Be still and worship. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Exodus 14.13 says, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. 
Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And this was just before they crossed from the Egyptians were right behind them, chasing them down. And here they are about to cross the Red Sea. And God says, be still. You're about to see the salvation of the Lord. And then again in 2 Chronicles 10 and 7, 2017 says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. There were three enemy armies that were coming against the Israel, uh, the Israel people. And God says, hey, you know what? Don't send the warriors out. Send the worship leaders out. Send the musicians out. And as soon as, yes, and as soon as he did, and as soon as they began to play, it brought chaos and confusion into the enemy armies, and they began to just slaughter each other. And this is a very deep and important principle for the body of believers to understand that if we will just be still and allow God to begin to work, if we'll just begin to worship him, his presence shows up, he manifest, his manifest presence, meaning tangible, he's, he's beginning to speak, I can feel the presence of God, that's called manifest, I'm making myself known, making himself known, he makes himself known, and then all of a sudden, he changes your perspective, he changes your heart, he changes the dynamic of the situation. He begins to enter, enter in and make shifts and make ways that you could never make, because all you did was stand still, begin to exalt him, he was enthroned in your praises, these are all scriptures, and he begins to enter into the situation. And not only that, he begins to go to where the situation is and he begins to resolve the situation there while you're in the comforts of your own house or in the comforts of the church. He begins to handle the situations and the circumstance right in front of you. But so many people want to just begin to go and read or pray, but you're not taking time to worship. And we need to worship because when we worship, he enters in. And we need to worship because we want to make sure that Satan's not guiding our time in the Bible. Because he sure would love to come and manipulate what you think you're understanding in the word. But when you begin to enthrone Jesus, he begins to show up. Because remember, Satan was the worship leader. He wants to worship. He loved, he loved to keep you distracted from what the voice of the Lord is saying. And so he shows up, and now you know that God is, God's presence, his manifest presence is there. And now when you begin to open up his word, all of a sudden, he begins to illuminate things off of his word. And it's like this, these pages, these, these words are jumping off, and, and you know, you begin to learn, God is speaking right here. I need to hone in. I need, I need to pay attention to what he's saying something. God, what are you saying right here? And then he begins to highlight what it is that he wants you to know that's called Revelation. It's called revelation. And so most people, if they even make time with God, they just come in and, and just begin to, to read and pray and start talking, and they're not even listening. There's, it's it's, a, it's a, a monologue instead of a dialogue. So when we worship, his presence comes in, and we begin to, 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 to he enters into that. And so we, I was in, uh, for an example of 
some of the things that takes place in worship. You probably experienced it. I, I like for you to come in and experience uh, God's presence in worship and encourage you to say, uh, if, you're ever, if you're ever hurting or, 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 or have physical ailments and issues, God's healing presence, when he's there, he begins to heal. We were in a, a conference in 2014, and we went with expectation. Every time I come to church, I come with expectation. I expect that God's going to show up. I don't expect him to do any certain thing. I just expect God to be God because that's who he is, and that he does good things when he shows up. We were in the conference, and I had, I had a knee injury. I wasn't, I wasn't able to bend it very far, and it hurt. It was uncomfortable to try to sleep. It was, I didn't, had no idea what was going on. In the middle of worship, two or three songs in, I felt the voice of the Lord say, bend your knee. So I began to bend it, and I'm like, oh, it, it hurts. Maybe that was me. You know, you ever have that? Maybe that's me. Maybe that's God. Maybe that's me. And then I heard it again, bend your knee. And so I did, and as I was bending it, the pain was going away, and I bent a, a normal angle of a bend, all pain gone, God completely healed my knee right there in, the, in worship. But I set a date, I set a time, I set a place, it was already set, but I decided to go, I committed to it, and when I, on my way, I expected God to show up and meet me in that place, and he did it. I had no demands of what he needs to do, what he better do, what I want him to do. I didn't put him in a box. I just allow God to be God. And when God is allowed to be God, he does things that you could never imagine, that you could never guess, that you could never control as well. And so you set a place to meet with God, come in, begin to be still before him, and then just begin to enthrone him in worship. And number three is this, pray and read. Pray and read. Now you begin to get into his word. Mark 135 says this, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. Solitary, just get alone. Go get alone with God. Find a place. Find a place that's even more so routine. Have a, have a little hideaway, a getaway, a little space in your house somewhere prepared. Let it be a prepared place. It's got your your journal or your, your Bible and maybe a little candle that you like, whatever it is, but it's a place where you know your mind is already set. This is where I go to meet God. And go into that place and just begin to open his word after you've worshiped and, and you're still before him and you're beginning to talk to God, just getting the things off of your soul, off of your heart, back to him. You're releasing them back to him. This is what Jesus would model. He would begin to talk to the Father. So he got away in a solitary place, and there he prayed. Psalms 119, 147 says, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. And then I hope in your word. I want you to notice in that he, his mind, his will, his emotions were calling out for help. He was, all this stuff in my soul is all jacked up. And so, Lord, I'm just, I'm just calling out. I'm crying out for you. And after I'm crying out for you, now... Now I can put my hope in your word because everything that I thought was real and I thought was wholesome, all the idols that I had held on that I didn't realize were idols were causing pain and they weren't structured and they weren't foundational. And I cried for help and Lord, then I decided I better put all my hope in your word instead. And life's begin to change. I want to express to you the importance. So even getting a Bible version that you can understand. I know 
there's so much pressure around Bible versions and yada yada. But I, if you're just going to go in and read the Word of God, get one that you can actually understand. I read, this is an NLT, I read from the NLT on a regular basis in just my reading time. And NIV is very uh, common language as well. These are called thought for thought. Thought for thought, thought from the, the Hebrew or the Greek into English, our language. So it's the thought that they were trying to convey to a thought that you would convey or translate into our common language today. And so now it's user-friendly. I can read it. The Lord can speak to me. But if I'm going to go and try to rightly divide the word and get some of the Greek meaning and Hebrew meaning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a different version. I, may, I, may, I teach from the NKJV, New King James Version. It's like the King James versions, but I can read it in, in common language. Uh, the NASB also; these are more word for word. They're equivalencies according to the uh, common language, the original language. But the purpose is get a Bible version or an app version that you can actually read and understand and comprehend, so that you can just begin to get the Word of God inside of you. When you want to go do some studies for teaching, then use another version, get some Bible software tools, etc. But people ask me, where do I read? Where do I begin? And I like to tell them, anywhere in between this front and back place and on the side of this binding, all you got to do is open it up and then you begin to start. But I would say, I would encourage you not to start in Revelation. You kind of need to get an understanding of God's love and his grace and his mercy as well as his truth before you go get into Revelation because you might think that it's all doom and gloom and it's not. It's actually a very victorious, a hopeful story that's in Revelation. But without the framework of who Jesus is and his love and what he's done and what he's doing still and the, and, and the book of Acts, etc., in the Gospels, then you will have a doom and gloom, a New Testament lamentation perspective on what's taking place. You will run around here full of fear, scared, watching out for asteroids that are falling out of the sky, and you'll be wearing a helmet before too long, uh, uh, glasses, safety glasses, and earmuffs. Like, dude, are you going to change, cut a chainsaw? You got a chainsaw you're working on somewhere on here somewhere? What is happening? Get the knee pads off. You're not a catcher. You know, so all kind of crazy stuff start to take place. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. If you need a place, I'll I often refer to John. Just start in the book of John. I think you're going you're gonna to see a lot of love of Jesus, uh, from Jesus, towards Jesus. I think you're going to see some very shallow things, but also some very deep things. I think you're going to have a, be able to kind of start in this place of kiddie pool and then be able to go down to the deep end where you can start doing some swan dives and stuff. So, so just start in a place where you can begin to grasp an understanding of the Gospels of, of Jesus. And so number four is this, listen and write. Listen and write. And write. Psalms 45 1 says, My heart is overflowing with a good theme. And I don't know if you're like me or, or not, but sometimes when I wake up in the morning, it just like shocks me and to, it's like a hit to my heart of here's all the things I need to get done in the next week. Here's all the things that are going wrong. Here's all the things that I need to fix. Here's all the things that are, are I'm not sure what's going to happen here in these situations. And all of a sudden, it's like my alert system, my theme is chaos and bring it back into order, Nathan. But then in Psalms 45, 1, he says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. 
Because when I get in the Word of God and I begin to take all that and I subordinate that to what I'm reading, the, the Word itself, and it doesn't matter. I'm reading right now, I'm reading the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 5, where, where uh, it, you know, Eli's sons just got killed. Eli fell over dead because he'd been eating and get too fat and he heard about his kids and broke his neck. And, and now Samuel's starting to, starting to, to rise up. And and God will start talking to me about something completely different that has nothing to do with the context of this story, but it's because I'm in his word, I'm honoring his presence, his presence shows up, and he begins to speak to me and give me a different theme of my day. And so now I have a different perspective of what's going on. All these things that I thought were, okay, i got to figure this stuff out. No, I don't. Lord, I trust you to figure these things out. Now let's just go to work and get it done. It changes the theme in my heart. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Listen and write. First Chronicles 28, 19, all this said, David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. God impressed his, his presence upon David and began to interpret and give revelation to David in writing. Habakkuk 2.2, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may, who, who, he may run who reads it. And so I, I've learned to do just that and I take these, my, my devotionals, my journals, and I begin to write the things that God's putting on my heart that I feel like he may be saying to me. And then I begin to pen those things Sometimes I know what I'm writing, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm just listening to what the Lord is saying and I'm writing those things. Sometimes I'm venting the frustrations of my heart. But God is beginning to, he does a work in me as I just begin to pin what's in his presence. As I'm in his presence, I begin to pin what's in my heart. And as I look back on these things, I actually see that God has been speaking to me through these moments all along. I don't do it every day. I do it often, but I don't do it every day. I don't make it a religious act where I have to. It's whenever I have something that I really feel like I need to write down, I make an effort to actually do that. And the most practical way uh, of hearing God is just to begin to write. I actually have uh, created, years ago, a prophetic class online. And one of the books that I use to extract a principle of hearing God is from a, a, a guy named Mark Verkler. And he's very logical, and so he really struggled with hearing the voice of God. He, he always reasoned it away, and yet he desired to hear the voice of God, and all his peers would talk about hearing the voice of God. And so he said, okay, I'm going I'm to set out to figure this thing out. And what he discovered, laughing at himself, that the, the, the method is in the, in the Word of God already. But he used this, this uh, method that he, uh, he trained us on as well, is... Begin to write the frustrations, write the things that are on your heart that you know, begin to talk to God about what's on your mind, the things that you want to let off, and then pause once you're done with that. And then as God begins to put words back in your heart, begin to pen those. And they're called letters from God. And you start to see this purity of what God is speaking to you, the affirmations, the confirmations, the love that starts to pour back after you've emptied out the ugliness that's in your heart or the frustrations, the chaos, the whatever. And all of a sudden you start to, once you grow in maturity and, under, and reading the word, he begins to take you across verses that line up with the very things that he had you writing, writing not long ago. 
then all of a sudden you're trusting that God is actually speaking to you. And as you pin what he's saying to you specifically, he begins to give you more direction and more clarity. And, or you can, another way is just beginning to rewrite scripture back to him in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for, for the, that your, your word says that I, I, am, I am worthy. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, because when you went to the cross, you died for me. So that meant that I'm worth it. So you begin to write these affirmations, these declarations that are all scripturally based back to him and watch him begin to speak and begin to guide you for a while there's a journal that I have and, and uh, you know uh, my wife found it she was very jealous of it for a while but she, we grew in maturity and I was thanking God for all the things that were in my life at the time and I was dating another girl it was way before I knew my wife I didn't even know she existed but I was just thanking God for everything in my life and pages upon pages just learning to be thankful because I was very ungrateful I was very, I, was, I had many questions as to why this, why that, why, it didn't matter. When I just became, began, began to become thankful for what was, rather than upset about what wasn't, God began to bring the what wasn't into the what is. I hope you can do that math. Because God began to put it all back together. He began to Matthew 6, it, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. And so, finding ways to pin, to write, to connect back to God. And I see, again, 1 Samuel 3, 1, says, Now the, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. A value. The key is to put value on what the Lord is saying, putting value on what his written word says, because this is still living it's vivid. And then I begin to make these, these are memory stones to me. And what a memory stone is, whenever Joshua was leading the Israel people, God's people, Israel, into the promised land, God said, hey, before the river dry, uh, closes up, take rocks, take stones from the middle of the river and place them on the west bank of the river as a memorial for the generations to come to show the testimony of what your God, their God, has done and is doing and will do again. And so for me, it's, I write these things down. I have journals upon journals that are, that are full of stories, full of things that I feel like God was saying to me. And as he began to show me, give me dreams, I would write those dreams down. Give me, give me little uh, insights on my heart, I begin to write those things down. Looking back in history, now I see God was guiding my footsteps and ordering me to even to where I'm at right now. This weekend, I, I was, again, at my 25-year class reunion. I was staying in a lake house that has been in my family for uh, generations now. And it was, the gener it was the place where I got saved 15 years ago. My grandmother led me to the Lord in a very difficult time in my life. And then I, went, I was going back through there and two years later, a year and a half, two years later, and in, my, in the room where I was sleeping, God gave me a dream, and it just happened to be that my grandmother was in that. And it was a dream that when I asked her what she was doing, she, was, she says, I'm praying over your pastoral obedience. And I'm like, that ain't happening. Uh, I'm not telling her because she will pray over that, and uh, I'm not, that's not going to be me. But he called me. That, that was a call. God was calling me 
into ministry. Now, I didn't just run and go say, hey, I need to be a, a pastor. I'm supposed to be a pastor. I, I got pastoral obedience now. No. No, I need to be tested. I need to be tried. I need the winds of time to begin to work in my life so that, I could, so that God's word could be proven in my thoughts, in my perspectives, in my foundation. I needed to be tested so that my, my mind and my will and emotions would be subject to this right here. And then I was sent four and a half years later when I went into ministry. A year later... The year Allie and I got married, I was, we were called again, and then God confirmed it with a man who was very prophetic, and it was, again, in a conference. We were going expecting God to show up. We had no idea what he was going to do, but he said, he confirmed, we, it was already a conversation in our heart that we would be planting churches. Now, we didn't go and plant a church that next day, nor that next year. In fact, we were like, no, this is maybe 10 years down the road. There's no way. I don't, I don't know how it's going to do. God, you're going to have to do it. Five years later, he sent us out to plant a church. And so God will call you. But it doesn't mean that you're already sent. There's things that you need to know and mature in and grow in before you realize that you are now being sent. And next week, I'm going to give you some of these filters so that you know it's God speaking. And it's, you know it's God calling you. And you know that it's God sending you. Because we don't want to be a group of people who are just going and fleeing. We actually want to be a people who are being sent. And the maturity that takes place between receiving the call and being sent out. It's a huge growing process. It's so important. And this is why so many people fail in the sending phase. Because they're just now only being called. And the process and preparation for the sent has not taken place. And so when times get tough, and things get ugly, and it gets a little unnerving, and it gets a little stressful, and it looks like finances aren't going to show up, and it looks like people aren't going to show up, and it looks like this, and it looks like that. No, I was called, and I was sent. I'm not going it on my own. There's things in your life that are taking place right now. You're making big decisions, or you're on the verge of making big decisions and it is so important that you hear from God and you know that the commander of the Lord's army is speaking to you in a Black Hawk Down situation and only he can navigate you through the trials that you are currently enduring. But he has the proper escape, yet even more so victory plan for your life and he's wanting to give that to you, but it's gonna take you setting an appointment, making the appointment, you gotta show up. Valuing his word, coming in, being still, worshiping, praying, reading, listening, and then writing. Worship team, if you will, guys, will come on up. But I got to encourage you. Make the next step. Whatever that next uncomfortable, seemingly uncomfortable thing is, begin to just... You know what? I'm just going to give it a try. It's going to be awkward because it's not natural. It's going to feel weird because you've never done it again. You're going to think you're messing it up, but you're not. You got to understand, just like parents, you see your children trying, making an effort, and you're sitting there encouraging them along. You don't condemn them because they didn't get it right the first time, or at least I hope you don't. 
And God is up there saying, hey, it's okay. We're going to get this thing worked out. We're going to do it. You're doing a great job. Just keep on. Just keep on showing up. Just keep on making that appointment. And when you get that appointment, don't worry about all the stuff that you're bringing into this time, this time. Just set it outside the room. Keep the distractions away. Don't worry about the social media right now. Don't worry about the media. Don't worry about all that stuff. Don't, don't go there. Just begin to saturate my presence. Just begin to play a little worship song. Just begin to listen. Just find a verse. I read a proverb a day. There's 31. In a month, you'll have the whole book of Proverbs read. I read a, a chapter or some chapters in the Old Testament or the New Testament each day. And then at night, I read a psalm. It's very poetic. It's very encouraging. Because all hell's broken loose during the day. It's a war zone. We're living a, a fast life. But a psalm in my heart just puts me fast asleep. But it gives God a place to speak. And the last thing on my mind is not whatever was on the social media or media or even in my, in my, in my family structure. It's a psalm from God. And when I lay down, and my dreams start to take over. I want the Spirit of the Lord to begin to speak into my heart, my innermost being, as he did with Job. He speaks in visions. He speaks in dreams. When you lay down at night, he speaks to your innermost being. I want to pray with you. Father, we just thank you so much. Thank you for your voice. We value your voice. We value your presence. We ask that you speak to us even right now. Let your thoughts be our thoughts. Let it be that our ways are aligning with your ways. Let your testimonies be real in our soul. Father, help us to be still and just worship in the chaos of our lives. Help us to not mess up our own lives by trying to take control. And thank you for choosing us. And I ask every day, every, every Sunday, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you saying to us, Holy Spirit? If you need prayer after this, we have a prayer team in the connect room. If you need to just come up here to the altar and just lay things down in, prayer, in worship, that's fine. In prayer, that's fine. If you don't feel comfortable with either one of those, we have connect cards in the seat back in front of you. Fill that out, pray your prayer need and someone will call you this week we'll pray with you but it's time to get a little uncomfortable it's time to go that next step it's time to move the needle forward and I'm telling you there's a beautiful plan in action and God is waiting to give you the details intimately for the story of your life we all stand up and worship with us